At SASH, we understand that selling a senior's home can feel overwhelming. There are many household items and collections to sort and pack. Important decisions have to be made about downsizing to a new home and paying for care needs. Preparing the home for sale in the midst of this can feel like too much. Here's the good news. SASH's home sale services were designed specifically to relieve this burden from families. Our expertise, support, and customized options enable our clients to enjoy a hassle-free home sale so they can focus on more important things. We invite you to learn more at sashservices.com or call us today at 888-400-SASH. That's 888-400-7274. The following Answers for Elders podcast features author, innovator, Alzheimer's and dementia family coach, Faith Marshall. And welcome everyone to Answers for Elders. And we are here with the wonderful Dementia Coast expert, author, published author, you name it, Faith Marshall. And Faith, I'm so glad we're you're back. And I am really excited to talk about this hour's um, topic, which is we're going to talk about families and siblings and, you know, kind of the whole unit around someone that may be suffering with Alzheimer's and dementia and how to be most supportive as a family unit. And so Faith, welcome back. I know you work with a lot of families and, um, you know, this is a really wonderful topic for us to talk about. Yes. Thank you so much, Suzanne. It's always a joy to be here. Well, I love having you here because we have, you know, one of the things that happens when somebody's diagnosed with dementia or Alzheimer's, it affects the entire family. And especially if that's the matriarch or the patriarch of the family, maybe they are the pillar of the family. Things kind of evolve around mom or dad's house. And all of a sudden mom gets Alzheimer's. What happens typically? What happens in a family when that, when that goes on? Well, when, when it happens, typically the family has started to notice some symptoms before the formal diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And we go through this fear and denial and everybody's not always on the same page. The person right. who's dealing with the patient most is more aware of the different contrasting things that can happen. There's a whole list of 10 symptoms mm-hmm. that people can watch for, and there's a lot of help around that. But what typically happens is it's your mommy yeah. and you don't want this. You don't want this diagnosis and we want to fix it. And so in my case, there were three of us and my dad said, there's something wrong with your mom in the head. That was his explanation. Yeah. And she was looking for a dog they hadn't had for 10 years. And, and so we started paying attention and it was a few years before we had the formal diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And in my book, I talk about my, my trip to Phoenix with mom. And I titled that chapter forgetful in Phoenix, because that was the moment in time when I realized that this is real. This isn't all my denial had to be parked aside when she looked at me and started talking about her daughter. And I was like, wait a minute, you're looking right at me Mm -hmm. and you're talking to me and telling me about your daughter. Mm -hmm. 
And so you have, each person has their own emotional experience right. with that diagnosis. And so it takes a little bit of time for families to get on the same page and figure out how to deal with it because mm-hmm. they're not all at the same starting point. Absolutely. So helping them get there independently, as well as a group, there's usually someone who steps up like you did with your mom. Mm -hmm. You just decided that's what needed. That's what you needed to do. And you did a huge pivot to do Mm -hmm. that. And so many of us do. Yeah. And statistically 60% of caregivers are women. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of it is the demographic and you know, the age and whether they worked outside of the home or not and all of that. I think we're way beyond that in this, in this current times, but there's still a little bit of those assumptions. Well, I think it's expectation too in a family. Um, But, you know, I remember when my mom was having to be taken, quote unquote, taken care of. I remember, first of all, my mom and I never got along as, you know, as my growing up. We were like oil and water. I was my dad's girl. My mom and dad were divorced. <laughs> so um, she resented the fact that I was like my father. Yeah. <laughs> so that was interesting. And I remember just feeling like every time she would call, it was sometimes I feel like it was nails on a chalkboard mm. because there was so much criticism and negativity and, you know, that type of, you know, a my mom was very demanding and very, um, you know, just very, uh, things had to be a certain way. And I, and I was so opposite to her. She was, she was reserved. She was controlled, you know, as a person, she was soft-spoken and here's me out there. Right. So, um, what was interesting though, is I remember the shift in me when I walked into the ER and saw her laying on a gurney And when she had broken her pelvis Mm. and they had to send her to a rehab and all these things that had happened, they, that, and I had driven up from Seattle to Anacortes to my hometown and I saw her and I remember that feeling of all of the angst that I felt before kind of just left me. It was like, I don't know what happened to me magically but there was something that happened to me where all of that just made no difference. And it was like, now it's the time for, and I almost saw her as like this fragile little bird yeah. you know, that I needed. I, does, do you relate to that a little yeah, bit? Yeah. It, it is. There's like this threshold when you cross over it and you realize that they do need, uh, mm-hmm. they do need help. And they're, and this is not intentional. No. This is just something that has happened and they need help and they need support. And we do, we, as you know, as I've said, you pull up your big girl, girl panties and you just do it. Yeah. And, it. and I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. And that awareness when mm-hmm. we, when we recognize and we honor that our loved one needs something they didn't need before. And yeah, it's, it's, you stepped over that hurdle of a relationship issue. And that is so common. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, it, it's, it's, it's a shift. It's an emotional yes. shift and it's a whole different part of the grief process of watching someone vanish from who they were to who they yeah. are. Well, who and, they, 
and that shift within that family caregiver, let's just say that person's made that shift. We're talking about siblings. The yeah. whole balance of the family changes. The dynamic changes because, you know, little sister may say to uh, big sister, Molly, hey, you never took care of mom or never got along with mom. Why are you now all of a sudden stepping up to do this? Or, you know, there's all these different types of dynamics within families that happen because right. everybody's changing and the, the landscape is changing. Is that? Yes, very much so. And so the families have to first get over that sense of denial and fear. And mm-hmm. the fear lasts for a long time, quite honestly, as mm-hmm. each new phase happens. Mm-hmm. But they need to kind of figure out what can we do? Can we pull together? Who's working full time? It's like starting a business. Yeah. It's looking at what are your strengths? What are you good at? My brother was great with finances. So he immediately took over all the finances and the banking and all of that. And then another, another one was counting pills and making sure the pharmaceuticals were in order. And it was about sharing those duties and it didn't mean that that person had to be actively present, no. caring, but you can manage remotely. And it's just navigating that and getting all on the same page. And I can honestly say it does not happen quickly no. for many families. <laughs> but I think it's also important that everybody feels like they have a role right, um, in the process. And, and certainly, um, you know, with, with, what you do to help facilitate that. Tell me a little bit about how you work with families to help that out. Well, the first consult would be just how many siblings are there? What, like, what are they good at? Um, Where are they at in this process? Where are they geographically and help figure out. And it's a lot of listening to start with Mm -hmm. because it could be, you know, Johnny got the the new bike. I always got the hand-me-downs or all all kinds of stuff comes up when we start dealing with our siblings. So do you do that oftentimes with the senior present or not, or how does it, does it depend or how usually what is the typical there's usually one person that reaches out first and it's usually the same person that stepped up to do caregiving okay or it's the sibling who wants Mm -hmm. to make sure that their big sister can handle it and they're concerned about it Mm -hmm. so it's mostly just navigating who's on first Mm -hmm. who's who's going to help manage things how are we going to do it and how are we going to communicate Mm-hmm. And in some, in some cases, depending on the stage of diagnosis, it's good to talk about all of those things that are going to directly affect the loved one right? and have them participate as long as possible. You're not going to take their car keys away without them knowing it. You're not going to all of a sudden take over paying their bills. There's a dance between who's going right. to help and how they're going to help because none of us want to have our independence taken away. Yeah. So it's, well, it's and I a, think. I think communication is so vital right now um, in everything that everyone's kind of open with what's happening and so that there's an ongoing dialogue and certainly you can help facilitate that. Yeah. And, and I encourage people to use like a Google spreadsheet for finances. So everybody knows where the money's going. Money is typically a big concern. They don't know how much money mom has, how she's going to pay for it you know, and, and just keeping it up out in the open, instead of one person being accused of why does she need to have her nails done every week? 
and, and things like that, that came up with our family. It's because she still enjoys it, you know? And, um, I think the big thing is, like you said, communication, we used email so that we weren't verbally discussing things in front of the loved one. So mom didn't hear us fighting because then they still pick up on that energy. Even if they may may be at a stage where they don't understand what they're saying, if you're having harsh words with a sibling, the loved one will pick up on that. So there's so much to this. And I'm excited to share in these episodes today how we can help families. Well, and we are very excited, obviously, to have you as a team member on Answers for Elders Radio. And to each and every one of you, if you have family members that are taking care of a senior loved one, it doesn't even really have to be that they have dementia. There's all different types of issues that goes on in a family as a senior, um, you know, um, may decline in health or things like that. Or maybe you just want to utilize faith for just a touch base consultation. Um, You actually do some uh, consultation. I do. I do. And tell us uh, about the consultation that you do for answers for elders. I have an offering for a $200 gift certificate that you can use for your first consultation with me and see if I can help you. And it's listening to you, seeing where you're at, where you're, where your loved one at, what the situation is, and just kind of sleuthing out how I can help support you. And I would love to do that, Suzanne. Well, I'm excited to talk further about this this hour. And everyone, Faith will be right back in part two right after this. We would like to thank you for joining us in this podcast. Faith is here to support you and your family on this journey. She will help you to come together in harmony, creating the best team and advocating for your loved one's care. So call Faith at 855 363-2484 to receive a $200 gift card just by mentioning that you've heard these podcasts. Again, that number is 855-363-2484. And guess what? That spells FAITH, 855-3-F-A-I-T-H. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire, become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.